Welcome to Canto Byte Dispatch. Today, I'm Brittany, and joining me today, and always, is my good friend, Emily Lind. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm a little bit tired. We just recorded for a couple of hours with Araj and Les and Boo from the Sith List. It's going to be awesome episode of their show i think we had such a good time yes it was so much fun i haven't had that fun in such a long time and apologies if you hear coughing or sniffling i am a little bit under the weather so i have a really sexy voice today so hell yeah for that there's always an upside always an upside We have a couple of fun topics today. Obviously, we have a new director in Star Wars. We have the new Certain Point of View book. We have Emily watching The Clone Wars. Let's start off with our good friend, J.J. Abrams. So, a couple days ago, it was announced that J.J. Abrams was going to be the director of Episode Nine, And not only that... But they are pushing the release of episode 9 to December. Star Wars Christmas, baby. I'm so excited. I know. I've gotten so used to, you know, going and seeing Star Wars, you know, during Christmas time. I've gotten so used to it that my very first semester at San Diego State, I went to my professor because my final is at 7 p.m. on December 15th, which is when I'm seeing uh, The Last Jedi. And I talked to him. I'm like, hey, I have something really important to do. And... (laughs) I swear to God, I did this. And I was so nervous because I'm like, this is a university. What the fuck am I doing? But yeah, I went up to him like, hey, I have something really important. And I was like waiting for him to ask. But he did it. And it's international film class. So even if I told him, I think he would totally understand. But he told me, he's like, okay, when Thanksgiving comes, just let me know again and we'll work something out. So I'm excited. But yeah, Emily, what do you think about all of this? Um... I mean, I gotta tell you, I was so I was so annoyed because this news came, like I think, like a day or two before I was sitting down to edit our last episode, and so I was listening to our discussion. And I'm just like, well, this is no longer relevant. This is no longer relevant. This is no longer relevant. I'm like, God damn it, Star Wars! Why do you got to do this? But I don't know. I'm happy. I love The Force Awakens. Um, I know some people have some problems with it, and I understand that it's not a perfect flawless movie but to me it was a perfect movie going experience in terms of I just felt like overwhelming joy watching that movie and I like JJ I he gave me Ray and Poe and Finn and all these 
people that I love. And yes, I do think Star Wars needs to start bringing in new directors, especially directors who are people of color or women. A woman of color would be excellent. Please, God, please, God, Star Wars, do that at some point soon. But I also feel like that was never going to happen in a situation where they're bringing somebody in last minute. I mean, sort of like how they went with Ron Howard. They wanted very established, this is somebody we know. And I think there's something nice about Abrams coming back to to end the trilogy. I don't know. At first, I was kind of... I was kind of upset. Like, I like the idea of having a new director every movie. And I like The Force Awakens. Like, for some reason, like, with the first couple times I saw it, it didn't really feel like Star Wars to me. But the other day, I rewatched The Force Awakens. And I have to respect J.J. Abrams. Like, even though, you know, in the past, I've said a lot of negative things about, you know, The Force Awakens and how he wrote the characters. Like, I was really upset, like, how he wrote Han and Leia. But other than that... I don't know. I have faith in him. I feel like, you know, he started all this and he's finally going to end it. And I feel like he's going to do so much justice to Star Wars because he's a fan. And as a fan, you want the best for your franchise. So I'm really excited. But one thing that I'm a little hesitant about is J.J. Abrams is not only writing episode nine by himself, but he is co-writing with Chris Terrio, who wrote Batman versus Superman. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not instilling me with a whole lot of confidence in the dialogue for this film. I know. Well, you know, to be fair, George Lucas did suffer with dialogue. Like his wife definitely helped him with the dialogue and a lot of the plot for the characters in the original trilogy and you can see that obviously suffered a little bit during the prequels. I am looking at his a Wikipedia page right now, just seeing all the films that he has written for. And he wrote he's writing the Justice League. Batman versus Superman. He wrote Argo, which I've never seen Argo, but I've heard a lot of positive things. I won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay in 2012, I believe, or 2013. I always forget. But I liked Argo quite a bit. Oh, really? That's good. But I think, I mean, I don't know. There's not much else there. Yeah, I don't know what to think. Like, I like the fact that JJ and him are writing this together. Because if it was just Chris writing it, I wouldn't know what to think. Because Batman versus Superman was horrendous. Like, I think the only parts that I enjoyed were the parts with Wonder Woman. So, uh, I don't know. It should be okay. I mean, it's Star Wars. I hate, I'm easy to please. Like, I think I was listening to an episode of Blue Harvest when Haas was talking about, I'm easy to please. Like, I feel the same fucking way. Like, if it says Star Wars, like, I'm going to enjoy it. If I enjoyed the prequels, I'm going to enjoy anything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Emily, do you have anything else to say about the directors? I'm uh, cautiously optimistic, is I guess the bottom line. Okay, that's fair. Oh, and what do you feel about it coming out during Christmas time? You're obviously happy. I'm happy. We're all happy. Oh my god, I'm so, I'm so, so happy about it. Um, I wish that they would push Han Solo back too, but that definitely seems like it's not happening. But no, like, I love Star Wars Christmas. I want, I don't know, it just seems more special than go, like, sometime in the middle of may there's something about the atmosphere right yeah it makes it more celebratory having around the holidays 
I know. I've gotten so used to, you know, getting out the lawn chairs and waiting for seats for, you know, the movie theater with my younger brother. And I always go with my family. We always go together to see movies because I always love hearing my dad's commentary of the movies, especially about something Star Wars, because he has very strong feelings about Star Wars that are not really always positive, but they're really fun and interesting opinions. I don't know. I'm really excited. I love Star Wars Christmas, even though, God, I haven't seen a Star Wars movie in May since Revenge of the Sith, and that was when I was about 10, I think. So it should be exciting. Anyway, speaking of Star Wars, Emily, you have watched some episodes of The Clone Wars. Oh my god, this is a goddamn miracle. I watched two episodes, and I liked both of them. And I was actually, like, to the point where I was gonna, like, start the next episode, and I was like, no, quit while you're ahead. (laughs) So you actually have positive things to say on the podcast this week. Oh my god. And it was the two-parter with the Lerman, which are like the pacifist space lemurs. And basically we are introduced to I, oh, what's her name? The um, Twi'lek Jedi Ayla? Ayla? I wasn't... Ayla Sakura. Okay, yes. So we're introduced to her um, and Anakin comes in and saves them because they're in this big battle, but then he's gravely injured. And so they crash land on this planet and they need to find help for Anakin. So Ahsoka goes off and they find these, well, they're space gamers, but they're super pacifist to the point of like not even defending themselves if they're attacked. And then of course the separatists come in tracking Anakin and everybody and they have a weapon that will destroy all living life while not harming mechanical life so they can use it and not destroy their droid army in the process. Then you have the space lemur, the main old dude being like, well, then we're just all going to die. But his, I don't, I wasn't quite sure if it was his son or his grandson, I can't remember, decides that no, they're going to, they're going to actually fight back. They're not going to kill people, but they're going to fight back. So space lemurs, it was awesome. I also kind of just love any episode where people are telling the good guys, no, you guys are fucked too, and we're going to get dragged into your stupid war, even though we don't want to get dragged into your war. We just want to live in our, like, giant seed houses because they live in this planet with these huge giant trees, and they make their houses out of the giant seed pods, and they just want to be space lemurs and not deal with the Jedi or the Separatists or any of this stupid bullshit. Also, they're Irish for some reason. (laughs) That's funny. They have Irish accents. I think one of them had a Scottish accent. But it could just be that the actors weren't on the same page of what accent they were going to do. But, I don't know, it made me laugh a lot. Oh, and they're these terrifying bird creatures. They are on four legs, so they are sort of got this cat-type thing. But then they have this giant, like, eagle head with a big beak, and they have scary talon feet. And I don't like birds, and I, I did not like them. Didn't the big bird thing like eat a couple clones or kill them? It definitely attacks them and like digs its scary claws into them because they are like in these huge tall gl- grasses and then they just leap out being scary bird creatures. Hmm. And I did not appreciate it. I don't blame you. Well, I'm glad that you're finally, <laughs> finally starting to enjoy 
some episodes of the Clone Wars. I believe that episode, one of them was called Jedi Crash, and then I forget the other one. Yeah, I don't remember that. I only know that because I played the Clone Wars Lego game on Xbox, and one of them was called, like, Jedi Crash. So, and I remember it was that episode because you start off with the space battle, and then it goes down to that planet, and then Anakin's injured, and... Ahsoka and Ayla. But I like the Jedi chick. Oh, yeah. She seemed okay. I know people who really like her. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's finally... I know who people are talking about now. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. I know... Well, I always forget, but she's the apprentice... Or she was the apprentice of Quinlan Voss. Oh, okay. She had some mention of, like, her mentor. She's yelling at Ahsoka about Ahsoka being too attached to Anakin. I thought that was a great point to add, you know, about the attachments, because Ahsoka's attachment to Anakin, I almost feel like it's normal for, like, a Padawan and Apprentice. Like, you see in the series that some Jedi have different opinions about, you know, attachments and everything, and obviously Ayla has, like, her own opinions. It was either her or Luminara that their opinions of, you know, attachments and everything was kind of, you know, bothersome to me, but... I forget, you know, what she, she just said, like, don't get, don't form attachments. Like, you're too attached to your master. Well, it's like, yeah, it's your master. You're basically, you know, growing up with them. Like, Anakin Obi Wan, for God's sake, is a, you know, it was like father and son relationship. And then they both became, or Anakin rose and become a, a Jedi. And, you know, they were like brothers. So obviously, you're going to form attachments. And sometimes you can stop it. And sometimes you can't. And definitely, in a situation with Anakin, I feel like you grew attachments. I was thinking about this because this is something I was actually, I was talking about with Robbo a little bit on the Steel Wars Patreon page, which is that Clone Wars kind of makes the Jedis all seem like dicks. Like, I always had this idea of the Jedi, you know, from the movies and when, you know, this sort of like golden age of when the Jedi were really in power and the, the wisdom and the peace of the Jedi. But I don't know, maybe it's because we're seeing them in the Clone Wars, but they're all just kind of assholes. Yeah, I agree with that. But then again, how else should they be portrayed? Because there has to be a reason for Anakin falling to the dark side. Probably, you know, having the Jedi be strict about a lot of things kind of persuades Anakin to, you know, not follow their ways and everything. Because he's already rebellious. You know, you see in the series that he obviously doesn't follow orders. He does whatever he wants. It's kind of hard to find like a happy medium on, you know, how to portray the Jedi because you definitely you watched the original trilogy and you see you know Obi-Wan and Yoda and you think oh wow like there are more Jedi like what do you think they were like do you think they were like Yoda do you think they were like Obi-Wan and then you go to like Mace Windu who's just kind of an asshole and it's interesting the whole attachment thing I just find really bothersome and I, I think maybe we're kind of supposed to but it just seems so ridiculous and so I mean in the end I think almost counterproductive to what the Jedi are supposed to be. I almost think it's a George thing too, the attachment thing, because you kind of see, well, I can kind of tell difference between the episodes that George is like invested in a little more and the ones that Dave is more invested in because you see, or I see an obvious difference between the Clone Wars and Rebels. And I feel like kind of like the attachments and, you know, the lovey, the lovey-dovey shit, I feel like that's a lot of George, mm-hmm. like George's, you know, influence and everything. I can understand, like, why you're annoyed with that, because our Lord and Savior George Lucas did that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, I'm glad that you've enjoyed those episodes. That makes me feel happy that you're 
you know, going on this journey of the Clone Wars and that you're not hating all of it. Yeah, it's good to not hate all of it. And you hear this all the time from me, but it gets better. I promise. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think I'll ever love it. It's sort of too late. I feel like the ship has already sort of sailed on that. I feel like, yeah, because I didn't watch it at the time. And there, there's some stuff in it that's definitely like, I don't know, it feels very of animation style of the time and of sort of the way cartoons were. Although it's more, I think, more adult than Rebels, at the end of the day, it was still like a kid's show. And so when I'm watching it as an adult with no sense of nostalgia for it, it's kind of hard to connect all the way. That's a good point. And I definitely agree with you about the, you know, how this is like kind of catered to more adults than rebels i almost feel like it's like the network thing like cartoon network i feel they're more of like a pg kind of not really pg-13 but they're not afraid to show whatever they want to but then again season one was written apparently i could be wrong but i heard that this season was written before it was given to a network huh yeah so definitely if they went with disney which i don't think george would have done at that point yet they would have probably you know taken out a lot of different probably episodes because you know they bring up the point about you know how they had like an episode with like a pacifist and you kind of talk about the sides of war and that's a really important thing to talk about in star wars because it's not really talked about a lot you know like the war aspects and you know they have some episodes later on about padme and dealing with the senate and a bunch of you know galactic law stuff which is really interesting like those are some of my favorite episodes but I feel like definitely this is catered to, you know, older children at the same time young children because they connect with characters like Ahsoka, who she's a learning Padawan and she's going on adventures with, you know, Jedi Masters and she's learning from her mistakes and everything. And that's fantastic. And then you have adventures with Anakin and Obi-Wan that are really funny and they're humorous with each other. Or you have Jar Jar fucking up all the time, but it's so funny. So, but anyways, do you want to, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> No, I was going to say, one of the other big things this week that we got was all of the different excerpts that they were tweeting out from the upcoming anthology book, A Certain Point of View, which is their 40th anniversary of A New Hope celebration. So it's 40 short stories by 40 well maybe a a couple more than 40 authors because some of them are are writing duos but and so it's like 40 stories 40 authors 40 characters apparently all set around the time of a new hope um and it's going from larger characters like boba fett uh, to I mean, you know, R5-D4 and some, like, random sand person. And, the, like, the Watchtower dude, who we never really know what he's doing up there. I think that's Will Wheaton's story, but it's a wide variety. Yeah, I felt bad because at first I thought this was just stories from, like, every character. So I was on the set list talking about I wanted to hear from Padme. And, and you said, I think she's dead. I don't think that, or I think that this is just about you know a new hope and that's when i realized how fuck it is but i don't know i definitely read some excerpts or some quotes from some characters and their stories and they look really cheesy i still don't know what i think about it like the one from boba fett i can like or maybe i should read some of them but all right let me go back to that link yeah sure 
Let's see. So we have, yeah, a bunch of authors that are chiming into this, which is awesome. And there's one quote by Boba Fett. And it says, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the whispers of surprise when I walked into the scene. That's right, boys. Fett's here. Uh, we don't need this. We, we don't. I, I don't need this. It's like it's making Bubba Fett seem kind of like a cocky asshole. Which, you know, he probably is, but... Yeah, it's so cheesy, and it's not actually cool. Like, it's actually really lame. I know. And like, I want Boba Fett to be actually cool. You know, Steel always says that he wants him to be like Mike from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which I kind of agree with, which is a man of very few words, gets the job done, is really good at what he does, but doesn't feel the need to talk about it. And this is the exact opposite of that. It's stupid uh i apparently these are going to be short stories am i correct yes i feel so bad that we're talking about this and we're like um i don't know is it it's like we're all learning together definitely short stories there's one from dr afra apparently we're going to learn a bit from afra and it says the little snippet says afra's life alternated between finding interesting ancient artifacts and reactivating interesting ancient artifacts with brief periods of selling the interesting ancient artifacts uh, I'm okay with it if that's rhythmically within a story. I think that can be fine. I think it's just, it's a weird quote to pull. I agree. I, it sounds almost like a joke. Like I was reading this on the syphilis and I was just thinking like, why do they keep repeating ancient artifacts, ancient artifacts? How many times have I said ancient artifacts are interesting? That's definitely in- intentional. And I think, again, if it's within the context of a story, it's fine. But, I don't know, some of them, I did like this one. There's one, this is, the story's called The Cluehorn Cantina Caper. And it's, at most Isley, everyone has side hustles. But the Moftok and Cabe, even their side hustles have side hustles. That I love, because I just like, I mean, first of all, it should be fun. It's written by Kylie Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction, who are husband and wife. They are both comic book writers, uh, actually two of my favorite comic book writers. Uh, Matt Fraction wrote a truly amazing run of Hawkeye, and it's probably the best that Hawkeye's ever been written and really made me love that character who I always I always liked him in the other Avengers stuff but I never particularly cared about him but Fraction made me care about him and he also does a comic with I believe with Chip Zdarsky and it's called Sex Criminals and it's about these two people who find out <laughs> god this sounds so bad they find out that when they orgasm it stops time <laughs> so then they I mean they start out they start out actually like robbing some banks and shit but then there's all i mean there's this whole like and then there's also these like time cops who also stop time in that same way and they have like sex toy weapons and it's ridiculous and so much fun and crazy and apparently it just got optioned for a tv show and i have no idea how that's gonna work but Kelly sue does a great one called bitch planet which is just incredible like she's a really great writer and just does all this like super great fun exciting and really feminist stuff she did a a 
couple runs on Captain Marvel that are really good. But so that's what I'm looking forward to. Ah, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, having writers that we know, you know, do some of these short stories will definitely encourage people to want to read this giant book of stories. Yeah, and like Pablo's doing one. Uh, He's actually doing the Tarkin one, which apparently he has said is also going to have Krennic in it. So you already know which story I'm most excited for. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work, but I mean, maybe we'll see that timeline get stretched a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it would only have to get stretched like a day, but... <laughs> Literally. I can't believe they're having a story for R5-D4. Like, that just... It sounds so sad! It does. Like, it, it reminds me, because last week we were talking about Skippy the droid and how, you know, in Legends, he had the Force in him or something. And just seeing Skippy the droid in this, that just makes me laugh. Like, but poor little guy, I know. Let me see if I can... Er... It's just him talking about... It's just him talking about how, how he's lonely and he just wants an owner. That's so sad. I really hope that he found an owner. Like, because you see that sand crawler. Oh, here it oh, is. you got it. Perfect. More than anything in the galaxy who wanted to be sold. <laughs> Escape the sand crawler. Fulfill his programming by serving a new master. Someone who would clean his joints once in a while. Offer a few drops of lubricant. Give him a purpose. But time was running out. He was lonely and he was dying. And that's the story is the red one by Ray Carson, who's really good. She does a lot of cool, interesting uh, fantasy stuff. So I'm interested to see her story here. But really, it's like, it honestly, why, why, why do you make it so sad? I don't, I don't want to be sad. It's even sadder because as Luke was picking him out and he was rolling to Luke, he dies. <laughs> Or he, like, malfunctions. It's just so sad now looking at it because he was so close, you know, getting a master. And now this happened. <laughs> Poor little guy. But. but Oh, there's also a Mothma story. So I'm excited about that. So many fun stories. I hope there's a good Leia one hearing from her point of view. It was always interesting. Like, we see basically the whole original trilogy is told from Luke's point of view. So I, I I'm excited to hear from Luke, but... You know, hearing from someone like Han Solo or Ben Kenobi or even Darth Vader, like, and even Tarkin. I feel like something with Tarkin and and Krennic is going to be interesting. Okay, you say you say hearing from Obi Wan Kenobi is going to be interesting, but (laughs) oh god, damn it, this quote. Okay, my name is Obi Wan Kenobi and I am dead. I know how that sounds. Crazy old Ben with his crazy old stories, but this isn't crazy. This is happening. At least I think it is. Boo! So dramatic, I love it. Oh my god, it's so... I hate, hate it. It's so cheesy. It's such a, like, bizarre, like, I don't know, like, you're probably wondering how I got in this crazy situation, like, Nickelodeon, like, voiceover bullshit. You're probably wondering how I got here today. Yeah, it's that. It's that exactly. I think that's so funny. Like, I'm hoping that story is a little bit better. Like, I kind of have hope for it, but it does sound really fucking ridiculous. Like, I am Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm dead. Like, that sounds like 13 Reasons Why or some stupid shit. Oh, here we go. Here's the Mothma one. Ooh. Mothma can't actually see the future. She used to know people who could, but the last of them is dead now, too. Damn. Wow. Short and sweet. That's how she gets us. That's, yeah. Look, there's a Lando one. That's always good. Heroes were Lando's favorite opponents at the gambling table. The worse the odds got, the bigger they bet. Because heroes were suckers. 
Now, I hope that these are stories set around the time of A New Hope and not directly interacting with A New Hope. Because I don't want Lando to have, you know, oh, he was secretly in the background somewhere during this scene. Like, I have no time for any of that. I know, I hate the whole everything's connected bullshit. Because, first off, it shouldn't be all connected. And we don't have to do that with every little thing. Like, they already tried that with Rex and... They obviously realized how stupid they were being. Like, I wouldn't mind if it's, like, Lando or somebody hearing news of the Death Star or something like that. But I don't want him involved in any way of anything that happens in the plot. I totally agree. But when's this book supposed to come out? Um, it is coming out in October. Ooh, it's coming up. Um, I don't know the exact date. I know they're doing a special edition at New York Comic Con. I think that's maybe like a little bit before the actual book is released, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be too much further. Oh no, it's coming out before New York Comic Con. It's it's October third. Oh nice. Oh wow, that's like coming up. Yeah, that's really soon. <laughs> Here's the other thing that came out in conjunction with this, which is that John Hamm <laughs> is narrating the Boba Fett story and I'm look, I love John Hamm desperately he's so talented and funny and smart and charming and I kind of hate how awesome he is but he shouldn't be voicing Boba Fett it'd be one thing if it were maybe if it were a third person story and he were narrating it it wouldn't bother me so much but I don't know it seems like it's a first person story or at least like really close Boba Fett story so having having a white guy narrate that it bothers me is it really that hard to get Tamora Morrison like does he not have a phone does he not live on this planet like I hear they're getting a lot of different celebrities to do this because I heard that Neil Patrick Harris was mentioned too I heard a bunch of celebrities but yeah yeah, and that's fine. Like, seriously, have John. I am all for hearing John Hamm. I will listen to John Hamm narrate anything. The man has a sexy ass voice. But I don't want him narrating the character who is not a white dude. Because John Hamm is very much a white dude. <sighs> it just it seems like such a miss to me. A lot of things lately are feeling like that. And it's sad, you know, we shouldn't be having so many misses with something as big as Star Wars, but, you know, nothing's perfect. We keep make, we just keep making, like, the same mistakes, so not us, but Star Wars just kind of keeps making the same, like, little mistakes over and over again. And to some people, it's not a big deal, but something like this, yeah, it is. Well, it's sort of, like, in and of itself, as a singular incident, it's maybe not a huge deal. Yeah. But I don't want to just ignore it because it's it's an indication of a larger problem and when these smaller things keep happening you you need to to recognize that there's a pattern yeah i oh it's stupid but anyways so we were talking about obviously boba fett and most recently, Ron Howard posted a picture with Paul Bettany. And apparently Paul had finished all of his shooting for the Han Solo, untitled Han Solo film. That's still not fucking named. And it probably never will be. But 
you can see in the background of the picture, it looks like Mandalorian armor. And I'm not saying that because I want it to be Mandalorian armor, but I'm saying that because it truly, to me, does look like that. And that made me think two possible scenarios. One, that we're going to have Boba Fett in this movie, which, awesome, cool, we need a bad guy in this film. But another thing was, what if they bring more Mandalorians in this film because they did that with another anthology film, which was Rogue One, when they brought Saw Gerrera back from the Clone Wars into a live-action film. So I think it'd be a pretty bold move and smart move to kind of bring the Mandalorians into the Han Solo film because they are obviously sided with the Empire. You see that in Rebels, or some of them are, different clans are. I don't know. I really like Mandalorians. I like the culture, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited for either or. What do you think, Emily? Um, I think I'd rather it be just a Mandalorian. I feel bad saying this. I don't quite get the Boba Fett love. Oh, thank God, me neither. I mean, people really, really like him, but I feel that so much of that is is putting stuff on the character that's not there. And now, granted, I'm saying this as somebody who hasn't read much of the EU, so it's entirely possible that there's some great books that he kicks ass in. But as somebody who knows Boba Fett from the films alone... I can't wrap my head around it. Like, he's just this guy that's kind of, from what we see, actually pretty shitty at his job. So, I don't know. I mean, if it's Boba Fett, I'm hoping that he's not a major part of it. I almost can't imagine that it is Boba Fett simply because if they're going to do a Boba Fett movie, which maybe they are and maybe they're not. I mean, who knows after the whole... Josh Trank meltdown if that's still at all on their radar but if you were going to have him in this movie you'd want to have the actor already cast who was going to play him in the Boba Fett film and so if he's just in a really small part here like maybe that's the way it'll go it's just you know we'll see him and he either says very little or doesn't say anything we just see him very briefly but I can't imagine that he's a big part of it. So and obviously, I don't, again, because I haven't really gotten there yet, I don't know much about the Mandalorians, but I'd be perfectly happy to have, like, a new sort of group come into the film mythos. Yeah, I never really connected with Boba Fett. He's essential to the plot, but only because he's a bounty hunter. And... Well, I think that was what George intended him to be. George didn't intend him to be such a big deal. That's why he killed him in the Sarlacc pit, you know? I don't know. My opinion also of that, if he is in the Han Solo film, I almost think that they'd kind of want to keep it a secret, like they kind of did with Darth Vader, even though it was kind of well known that Darth Vader would be in the film. Mm. We didn't know for how long or what. So there might be a chance that maybe, like, Tamora Morrison, like, is near the set, but I don't really hear much from Tamora Morrison anymore for anything. And it is a good point about him, you know, not being on set or, like, not knowing, like, he would be obviously casted. So the Mandalorian thing does sound a little more realistic now. Yeah, I just, I don't know. 
I don't even really know what I want it to be. Me neither. I think that's why I'm really excited for it because I don't know what's happening and I feel like that's awesome. I almost feel like we got so many trailers for The Force Awakens and I basically knew what the movie was going to be about before I got into the theater. Even though I didn't know any like the main spoilers about, you know, how Han died and how Kylo was the son of Solo. Solo. But I knew that there would be a character, like I knew that someone would be related to someone. I knew that it would kind of mirror the expanded universe in some ways. Obviously it did. Ben was the name of Han and Leia's kid when in the expanded universe, Luke had a kid with Mara Jade and his name was Ben. So I kind of hated that at first. I really did think that they copied some things from the expanded universe, but kind of twisted it. Obviously the creation of Starkiller base that was kind of new, but then again, like, that's kind of a copy of a Death Star, but come on, like, what else were they going to do, you know? You had a mirror, a new hope to get people to want to watch this film and to get them familiar with the characters and problems and solutions to those problems. It gets you really connected to the characters and the atmosphere of the movie. Yeah. I, how do you feel about the Han Solo movie still? Are you just still kind of like, eh, or? You know, I just can't. It's sort of not on my radar, and I'll see how I feel after, after the first trailer. Also, just after all of the the Last Jedi stuff is done, like I can only focus on one movie at a time, and it's going to be the trilogy movie over the standalone movie. I still kind of feel that I don't need a Han Solo movie, but it's going to be a Star Wars movie, and when we get closer to it, I know I'm going to be excited. I know I'm going to be seeing it opening night or at least opening weekend but it's it's still like so in flux right now that I'm just sort of like okay well it's gonna happen so we'll see eventually I know I'm almost worried about this film too because of how close it is to The Last Jedi it's gonna be really difficult to sell merch for I I look at this on a business side too obviously because you know, I go to Disneyland all the time. Usually when a big movie like, you know, Last Jedi comes out, you just see tons of merchandise for it. Like, for instance, two of my friends just went to Disneyland and they sent me pictures of one of the Star Wars stores and the whole store was filled with porgs. Oh, my God. And obviously, The Last Jedi is already ranking big bucks on porgs and merch and everything. While Han Solo, it's... It's complicated because what kind of merch can you sell with that? And how are you going to, you know, you have to make t-shirts and everything and nothing's really been announced. You don't even have a name for the film yet. And it's less than a year away. I believe The Last Jedi was, the name of it was announced probably a little over a year before. Am I correct? I lost all track of time, so I have no (laughs) idea. Now that you were talking about it, I remember the big excitement of the reveal. Yeah. But I also, there's part of me that feels like, oh yeah, that's always just been the name and we've always known that forever. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, we've always, we've grown up and we've knew that in 2017 there'd be a film called The Last Jedi. We all knew that. (laughs) Duh. But speaking of both names and Porgs, does your new Porg have a name yet? No. I need to explain the story. So my awesome younger brother, Rusty, he surprised me on Thursday night with a stuffed animal porg. And it's really cute. Here, I'll get it right now. It's on my bed. 
it's been comforting me because I've been sick for the past two days. Aww. So I'm back with my pork. I don't know, can you hear it? <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. It's like, it's, it's soft, but like not too soft, a little bit rough. And the eyes are really big. <laughs> I feel like I'm like reviewing a toy right now. I love what I basically am. But it just, it's really cute. And my dog was really upset when my brother gave it to me because my dog immediately thought it was for him. <laughs> and I'm not sharing with my dog because he already has a giant bin full of toys. And this was about $20. Like, I love my dog, Cooper, but I'm not giving him a toy that's $20 and that's as adorable as a pork. He already has stuffed animal, Greedo, Ewoks. He has a bunch of different animals, too, but... Or, sorry, Ewoks are not animals, they're people. Thank but you. You're welcome. But, I don't know, I still need a name for my porg, because I'm terrible at naming things. I swear to God, when I have children, or if I ever have children, I don't know yet, I'm going to have such a tough time naming them, because I always associate, like, names with, like, different people. Or just, you know, names with certain things, so... <laughs> I'm really happy that my brother got this for me. That was really nice of him. But, yeah, I think I'm I'm in the porg phase. Or, yeah, I, th- I think I, I've i made it into the, the porg cuddle club. All right. So do you want to read our listener emails? Yes. Let me find them. Um, oh, I guess we should do Andy's first. Cause, oh, yeah, because Andy gives us our top three. So, Andy Campbell, thank you, Andy. Uh, yeah. Hey, Lindo and Brittany, I've got a great top three. Top three Star Wars trailers. His are Attack of the Clones trailer one, The Phantom Menace trailer one, and The Force Awakens trailer two. Wow. Keep up the fantastic work. Thank you, Andy. I like this. And it also gave me an excuse to watch Star Wars trailers all day. Oh, wow. I feel bad because I haven't been able to... I already know my top three, obviously. You know, my first thought. But I haven't watched some of these trailers in a really long time. So what happened in the Attack of the Clones trailer, like the first one? Was it kind of... You kind of, it was the love one when they're like, oh, like the Jedi is forbidden to love. And then Anakin's like, I love you, Padme. And she's like, no. And then a bunch of action stuff. Well, I don't know. Because I'm not sure whether he's talking about the first, like, trailer trailer or if he's talking about the first teaser trailer. Because if it's the first teaser trailer, that one is actually, shockingly, is on my list. Because the first teaser trailer for Attack of the Clones is the one where it's just, you hear the the Vader breathing... And it's the the quick cuts of a bunch of different character shots. And then the only other sound is the lightsaber clash right at the end, then cut to title card. And it's an awesome trailer. Okay, now I think that's probably what he was talking about because I believe the Phantom Menace trailer did that too, am I correct? Uh, I think so. But, yeah, those are pretty good trailers. But, Emily, what were your other two? What rank was that? Attack of the Clones trailer. That was number three. Okay. Um, my, although I went and watched like some of the original trilogy trailers and stuff, sort of, when I was making the list, my rule for myself was ones that I actually saw and remember. 
And so that would have been like special editions onward. So it was the, that Attack of the Clones one. Number two is actually the first Rogue One teaser. Oh. When it's when you start with that listing of all of Jin's crimes. And, I, you know, it's, it's weird to pick this one because, <laughs> I mean, basically everything in this got cut and isn't in the movie. So, you know, we don't have the most famous lines from that. We don't have... You know the uh, you guys are rebels sort of about we don't have the um, the walking through along the beach with Mendo and his awesome cape. We don't have powers and measure like the power we are dealing here. But is immeasurable. <laughs> God damn it! I like that. That hurts me so much. And the the fact that we don't get him like walking through the water oh with a sweet fucking cape. But that teaser. It is awesome. Like, just judging it, just like that Attack of the Clones one, just judging it completely, like, by itself is so good and made me so fucking excited for the movie. Number three was from TFA. Honestly, like, my entire top three list could have just been from The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Because of the excitement that I felt watching those. But I sort of limited myself to just doing one per movie. Um, And it was... It was teaser two. That's the one that starts with that long pan in the desert. And you see the crashed X-Wing and you go, holy shit. And then it pans over a little bit more. And it's like, holy fucking shit. There's a crashed Star Destroyer there. And then you get the Luke voiceover, which is the force is strong with my family. Oh my God. You You get that shot of Vader's destroyed helmet. You get the shot of the Falcon taking off along and then flying through the crashed ship then of course at the very end you get Chewie we're home and at that point sobbing mess of tears and excitement oh my god like even honestly like even going back and watching that trailer this afternoon I got so excited I have to do a a Force Awakens rewatch soon because I just I don't know that that whole the whole thing it just it got me all like so hyped up again i got goosebumps just hearing about that trailer (laughs) that's my favorite what else is on your list um well first off there are many trailers that were great but i feel like the trailers that i favored the most were the ones that I actually watched like either before the movie came out or after. My number three was the very first Revenge of the Sith trailer. It starts off with the Palpatine says the dark side of the forest is the pathway to many abilities, some considered to be unnatural. And then it comes like, is it possible to learn this power? And then Palpatine's like, not from a Jedi. And I feel like that trailer was fantastic. And I don't know, as a kid, like, that was when I first started getting into Star Wars and realizing that there was going to be a new movie. I was really excited, and I really liked Hayden Christensen's mop hair. <laughs> Even though I don't think it's really mop hair, I just think it's hair, and I like it. And then I love Obi-Wan, and just seeing them together is just fantastic. And my number two is actually the Chewy Were Home trailer. That... Oh my god. 
I remember I was watching that. I think I've probably already shared this story, but might as well share it again. But <laughs> I was watching this trailer before tennis practice one day. And as soon as I saw Han Solo, I lost it. I was like scream crying and people from the parking lot were like coming up to me asking if I was okay. (laughs) And I was like, I just saw a Star Wars trailer. Like at that point or before seeing that trailer, I was really hesitant about seeing Harrison Ford as Han Solo because I, I feel terrible saying this, but I feel like as he gets older, his acting is not really as well. Well, he seems to not care very much. Yeah, and I feel like that's very easy to see on film, which I don't blame him. He's been in this business for how long? You know, you're doing the same shit for, like, 50 years. Like, that's a long fucking time. So seeing him dressed up as Han Solo again with Chewie, I lost it. I I wanted to see this movie now. I was really ready. I was open arms welcoming Harrison Ford back into Star Wars. I was amazed and I think that was so good to have a trailer like that getting people excited because you kind of have like the older Star Wars fans hesitant about Star Wars you know restarting again and that was me I was very hesitant about starting a new trilogy because there was already these fantastic six movies that I fell in love with as a kid and I grew up as an adult respecting them even more and adding something from the old into the new was very smart and it excited a lot of i think my number one has to be it's kind of a trailer yeah it's a trailer because it was on starwars.com it was a falls um, trailer it was with john williams score i believe it's by the same name where it's basically the duel between anakin and obi-wan and it's a beautiful score and they played like the kind of a trailer and a bunch of different scenes and that got me so excited for Revenge of the Sith. And it broke my heart in so many ways. But I really enjoyed that movie. And it was something I would watch all the time as a kid. And I have the novel on my bookcase right now. And I still read it every now and then. Because it it's beautifully written. And that movie is just such a beautiful tragedy. And that's Star Wars breaking our hearts in the most beautiful way possible. But <laughs> it's all good. But yeah. Those are my top three. Thank you, Andy, for sending us that. That's really nice of you. And I got us to think a little. So thank you for getting us to think. Yeah. Do you want to read the next email? Actually, I'll read it. All right. The first one. So this is from our good friend Dom. Dom from San Francisco. He's really cool. I've met him at a couple of SEALs live shows. But anyways says hey Britt and Lindo enjoying the fun show and the rapper you two have quickly developed figured I'd drop you an email put this question out there what's your most annoying misunderstanding fandom whether hardcore or casual has about Star Wars the key politics out of Star Wars folks acting like Star Wars hasn't inherently been politician the whole time that's the question I just read that really shittily the people that completely miss George's social messages just for fun, I'll go in a less serious direction and say that it's the notion that Anakin's romance pursuit of Padme and Attack of the Clones was one-sided. I always historically think of episode two as being about Anakin's pursuit of her and her reluctance to get involved with him. Most times, their courtship is discussed in the fandom in terms of him being a creepy stalker who forces the issue with her, then is supposedly the big shift when she admits his love on or she admits her love on Geonosis. Upon further viewing, seems to me like she's encouraging his advances. 
We know Anakin is not the first guy she's been romantically involved with, so her behavior with Anakin in Attack of the Clones isn't exactly that of a naive girl with no experience. Rolling around in the field, sitting so close by the fire, revealing outfits, gazing eyes into or gazing in his eyes a long time before he kisses her. <laughs> she mentions her feelings during the fireplace scene, so this flirtation isn't as one-sided as the comic public reputation it has. That's definitely a mutual interest. Anyways, keep up the great work. I shall watch your career with great interest. Thank you, Lord Sidious. No, I'm kidding. Dom. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dom. That was a great email that I was really terribly reading because I can't read, but <laughs> no kidding. But that was a really good point that you brought up about Anakin and Padme. I feel like as a kid watching Attack of the Clones, I was attracted to that love story. And I definitely didn't see it as one-sided as a kid until I kind of grew up and I, I honestly say that I feel like I was pressured to not like the romance of Anakin and Padme because of what others around me said about it. Kind of like how others around me and others around a lot of people say, you know, a lot of negative things about the prequels. I was easily influenced, you know, honesty hour. I always get nervous, you know, sharing my opinion about Star Wars, not because I'm a woman, but just because I am not afraid what others think, but... I'm worried that, you know, they might feel my opinion is stupid or they might say that or think that I'm not really into Star Wars or as much as they are. But I shouldn't care what people think, but it's always in the back of my mind and I kind of hate it. But definitely something like Anakin and Padme's relationship. I I agree that it wasn't one sided like she sure had she, you know, gave her advantages or advances and it was obvious that she was attracted to him. Even though the chemistry between them wasn't really that great. I feel like in the books it's like greater. You kind of see. The thing about the books that I like is that, you know, they share the thoughts of the thoughts and the actions of both Anakin and Padme. In the movie, I feel like it's almost seen as Anakin being one-sided on purpose. Because basically the whole trilogy is about Anakin's story. So you don't really get the chance of seeing, you know, Padme and her opinions. But you see them, but not really as clearly for people. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of going in a tangent. But I don't know. I mm -hmm. definitely feel like it wasn't just him that was in love with her. She was also in love with him. And she didn't want to cave in to those feelings because she knew that was forbidden and she acted the way she did because she didn't want to fall for him but eventually she did and she's dead because of it and it's sad because she's my, she was my favorite character but anyways emily first off what do you think about this padme and anakin thing and then second i want to hear your uh misunderstanding um i mean it's sort of it's sort of hard for me to judge the the Padme and Anakin one just because it's been uh, I don't know it's been a while since I saw Attack of the Clones and so I don't feel like I can really talk about that one with any sort of authority I was creeped out by that romance but it was because of the whole the the age difference and the all the lines about like oh I remember you were when you were a little kid lines and not not necessarily because I thought Anakin was a creepy stalker or anything like that I don't know I guess mine is the more my misunderstanding thing would be 
would be the more serious stuff that Dom touched on, this sort of, this idea that Star Wars and fandom should be for an exclusive group of people and that it's not for everyone and the idea that adding more diversity is ruining Star Wars or ruining fandom or this this sense of ownership that some people seem to feel. I actually, um, this is something that came up on Twitter a lot the past couple days because there's been a really big drive to do this hashtag Star Wars is a girl thing too, which is, you know, been trying to, to, to draw attention to the fact that fandom does have a problem with excluding women and, and just trying to get uh, female voices out there more. But this is something that I saw Pablo tweet about, which is that this idea wasn't always there. This idea that Star Wars is a boy thing or that Star Wars is for, you know, fill in the blank here and not for everybody. And he was he was talking about how he thinks it stems to the 90s when Star Wars was kind of dead and that this this idea of ownership came from these people who still really loved Star Wars then and you know the people who devoured all the EU books that they feel that they're owed something for that loyalty is I I believe the way that Pablo put it but it's just it's frustrating it's frustrating to hear you know that oh there's a person of color in Star Wars they're just you know they're just playing to political correctness and it just I don't know it's so it's so annoying when people annoying isn't even the word to it but it's so frustrating when people object to your very presence that somehow you're in a place that you are not supposed to be that this thing isn't meant for you and it's really it's really disheartening sometimes I think it's it's something that's come up quite a lot not just the female thing but um when Chuck Wendig did the Aftermath trilogy and included a gay character and now um with the Princess Leia book, which at least intimates that Vice Admiral Haldo is is pansexual or bisexual. And it's always this idea that, oh, people are cramming this in, that writers are, you know, shoving it down your throat. And I'm like, no, this is just because gay people exist in the world and in the universe. And it's not about forcing them into it. It's about showing, no, they're, they've always been there and they always will be there. We're just going to you know, actually show them now. I don't know, that was long and rambling, and I'm really sorry. No, that was perfect. I think it's really important to talk about this because it's something that, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about, but we kind of have to because it's relevant and it needs to be said. And I, too, am going to get a little weird and personal I think it's because I'm sick I'm just like yeah whatever but no I'm serious like I think one of the things too is that people that either you know see me on the street wearing a Star Wars shirt or something or see that I'm talking about Star Wars online is that a lot of people don't think that there are women in this fandom and it's awful because there are there are women that have been in this fandom like since the very fucking beginning and the fact that people either don't see that or choose to not see that is heartbreaking like i was a little girl and i love star wars and unfortunately a lot of people didn't that i knew and i was bullied a lot because of it like i star wars was there for me when i had no friends in middle school like i would go home and watch star wars videos when i got home because it was the only thing that would make me happy i suffered a lot from depression and all that stuff because you know people didn't like me i wasn't the cookie cutter kid and anything having to do with Star Wars, you know, 
kind of, you know, made me feel better. It made me feel, you know, human again. And that's the thing with Star Wars is that it helps us. And, you know, those people that say that it's just a movie, it's not. It is meaningful to us. It helps us get through, you know, the hardships in life and everything. And it's there for us when we need it. And even though it pisses us off sometimes, <laughs> pisses us off sometimes we go back and we go back to it because we love it. And, you know, we go back to, you know, how we felt when we first saw this or we first saw that or our favorite movies and our favorite, you know, theories. It's just something that brings us all together. And... I love it. It makes me happy talking to you and talking to others about, you know, Star Wars. And I don't know, I'm going off also, but at the end of the day, like there are women in this fandom. If you don't like it, then fucking leave. We don't want you here. Yeah, and and one thing, like even the people who aren't who aren't directly shitty, but the people who ugh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. <laughs> Oh, the people who don't get the necessity of it, the people who are, who who question like the existence of of that ha- of the girls of the Star Wars girl things to hashtag who are like, but you know like of course there are women too. There's not there's not any problem with that. And I'm like, just because you personally don't see or experience the sexism that goes on doesn't mean that it's not happening like you gotta believe you gotta believe women when they tell you that this stuff is happening you gotta believe people of color when they tell you that star wars has a race problem you gotta believe glbt people when they tell you that there's a problem like you like if you're a straight white dude yeah you probably haven't seen a ton of it unless you happen to also have a lot of friends in the fandom who are women who are people of color who are queer who are talking about those experiences so don't diminish what other people are experiencing just because you haven't seen it yourself people suck (laughs) That got a little bit serious. Okay. Um, I could have a happier answer. My happier answer could just be... Oh, uh, Brittany definitely is going to know what this one is because it's going to be that I don't like it when Ewoks are treated like animals because they're people. (laughs) They're people. There we go. That's a happier answer. Ewoks aren't fucking creatures. They are sentient beings who have lives in society and culture and they're not your little, like, therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Is that better? No, that's better. That's perfect. Is that a happier note? That's wonderful. I love it. That's a good... I'm trying to think of a pot or of a kind of happier one. I, I'm i thinking about, like, the people that think that Star Wars is, like, just for kids. Like, no. Like, no. I'm, I'm 22 and I'll forever love Star Wars, so fuck off. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> anyway, thanks, Dom. Sorry for getting so serious on your question. But... Yes. Let's see. Is there any other Star Wars news? Nothing that I can think of right now. Of course, something's probably going to happen tomorrow or the next day. We're <laughs> going to miss it, as always, because that's what we always do. But I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else that you want to say or plug or any of that magic stuff? Um, Let's see. Just the basic podcast stuff. If you have a top three topic 
we are very very happy to have those because that's something we want to do on a weekly basis so send that to us or send us thoughts or questions or theories or any sort of email you can send those to cantobitepod at gmail.com or you can always hit us up uh cantobitepod on twitter we are also cantobitepod on instagram we are part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network, which has a lot of great shows that you should go check out uh, since this is a Star Wars podcast. You might like other Star Wars podcasts like the Imperial Senate podcast, which our buddy Charlie does with his friend Nikki, or you can listen to Radio Free Mandalore, which Patrick Bonfrisco, who, who runs the network, does, and it's a great show. But there's all sorts of stuff there. Go check it out, radiofreepodcasting.com. Please, 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 if you listen to the show and you like it, uh, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever system you use, but especially on iTunes because their algorithm is really sensitive to ratings and reviews and that'll push us up and give us a lot of exposure. Other than that, you know, like retweet our episodes, that'll help us out too. We just, we want more people to listen always. Thank you for everybody who does that so far. We love you guys. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at EFLind. That's at E-F-L-I-N-D. It's also the same on Instagram, although I'm very... I don't do much over there, except like pictures of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at CantoBrit and on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. So, yeah, that's our show. All right. Bye. Bye.